lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Thundercats. Meet Misty. Care Bears. Say hello to three new Star Comic sensations. The Savage Thundercats. The Cuddly Care Bears. And Misty, the soap opera superstar who's setting the world on fire. Ad written by Kurt Busick. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Ain't no banter like a Jeff and Rick banter, because a Jeff and Rick banter is random. Random banter time. Hey, no, 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 no time for banter, Dr. Jones. We have 42 powerful pages of Power Pack to unpack. To the unpacking mobile. Jeff! Can you please give us the two-sentence replay of the last episode? You bet, my friend. A wounded and world-weary Thor ponders if Midgard is worth all the time and effort that he puts into it when he is beset upon by the Beyonder's mighty engine of rage and hate thought experiment, Curse. Just when all seems lost, Power Pack and Beta Ray Bill literally swoop in to turn the tide and then witness Thor call out an unconcerned Beyonder on his actions, of which he is giddily unapologetic for. Now that the... Thor is willing to use Katie as a living weapon and possibly sacrifice her to defeat Curse. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I'm looking forward to seeing what you got on tap for us this week because it's a very thanksful and thanksgiving and givingful episode. I am very proud to introduce this to you, my friend, because I had a I had a fun time looking for something that was reminiscent of thanksgiving and also about the issue in general. Mm-hmm. And I was able to come across this. Oh, what do we have here? Rainier Cherry Hard Cider by Bad Granny. <laughs> She's so... <laughs> She's so watching, bad, it's good. Watching the coin drop on figuring that one out... <laughs> Do we want to just address it right now? Well, we'll say that we have a bad granny in this episode. (laughs) Oh, this is fantastic. That's a great looking label on that, too. It is a a rock climbing granny with uh, the old Charlie Bronson rope slung over her shoulder and a backpack. And she's throwing up the old horns. That's a bad granny. That's a bad, bad granny. Nice. And story time on it is don't drink if you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, here you go. I'll let you. I'll let you open that thing, mm-hmm. and I will go ahead and say that uh, this is, as you said, Rainier Cherry by Bad Granny, and it is a splendidly juicy Rainier cherries from the Northwest. Impact subtle notes of sweetness, aromas of crisp apple and peach with a full mouth feel and balanced tartness. The hard facts: ABV seven point two percent, Honey Crisp and Granny Smith apples with fresh Rainier cherries. And it's available in 750 milliliter draft. So there you go, sir. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to trying this. This has uh, got a really nice color to it. So not only is there a bad granny that is in this, but also it's an apple cider. <laughs> and I thought that apples on Thanksgiving, it just felt right. Yeah, that does feel right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's interesting. I get a... 
I definitely get the tart flavor. A little bit. I get a hit of sweet that goes away because mm-hmm. it's very dry. The final taste in the mouth is just apples. It's like I've just taken a good bite of an apple. Yeah, I'm not really hitting any cherry notes. That's it's that it's right up front at the very beginning. You get that sweet cherry note up front. Doesn't really have any nose on it. Just mm-hmm. kind of smells like an, you know, mm-hmm. a little mild appley. Uh, barely any bubbles to speak of. It's got a lovely color though. That's mm-hmm. uh, apple juice. Yeah, I gotta say that the um, that first hit is there's a sweet mm-hmm. pop, mm-hmm. and that's where the cherry comes mm-hmm. in. And after that, the cherry goes away. Yeah, and then it kind of dries out on your tongue. And dries it out a little bit, and then you're left with apple. Apple. Yeah, that is. A pleasant, that is pleasant drink. That's a great way of describing it. That is super pleasant. That mm-hmm. is, yeah, that's nice. It's nothing that you're like, wow, that is just heavy boom. You know, it's mm-hmm. none of these really strong stab you flavors kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, I'm just, hey, I'm, I'm just cruising through. How's it going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here I am. All right, I'm gonna just pass through. Leave a little something behind for you. It's like it's nice. I'm very happy with it. I'm very pleased with it, and I think it's a very Fall-type flavor. Mm-hmm. It would go great with uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Well, then let's talk about a Thanksgiving dinner, uh-huh. shall we? <laughs> Jeff, tell us about this Thanksgiving dinner. Power Pack, issue number 19, February 1986. Guess who's coming to dinner? Credits, writer, Louise Simonson. Pencils, Brent Anderson and Scott Williams. Inks, Terry Austin, Scott Williams, and Sam De La Rosa. Letterers, Joe Rosen. Colors, Janet Jackson. What? She's no nasty girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the colorist is uh, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Go on. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. G, oldest power sibling, Gravity Guy. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling, Flying Teen. Voiced by my wife. Jack Power, a.k.a. Mass Master, second youngest power sibling, Cloud Boy. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, youngest power sibling, Energy Girl, voiced by my daughter. Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail, Dream Kid, son of the Fantastic Four. Guest starring, oh boy, the Morlocks. Erg, can shoot and catch energy. Anna Lee, causes others to feel what she is feeling. Leech, disfigured child who can cancel powers. Ape, not-too-bright shapeshifter. Cloak and Dagger. Cloak can teleport or trap people in his dark cloak. Dagger shoots blades of pure light from her hands. The X-Men. Wolverine, the stabby guy from the X-Men movies. Kitty Pride, a.k.a. Shadowcat, can phase through solid objects. And Beta Ray Bill, a being with the same powers as Thor, a really nice alien horse-faced dude. Jim Power, the father of the Power Children. He has no powers. Maggie Power, in a coma. It's not a coma. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. A costumed energizer stands alone in an alley. The Morlock Erg faces her, threatening, telling her that the Morlocks send their greetings as electricity arcs from his electric eye at the young child. And as we turn the page, we see her easily catch the energy, absorb it, and toss it back to Erg. He is impressed with her control. See, this is their game, and it is awesome. Katie is on her way to charming the Marvel Universe, one spiked dog-collared homeless man at a time. Erg is actually here to deliver a note from Annalie saying that her and Leech will be coming over for Thanksgiving. But the rest of the Drain Dwellers can't make it as they have other plans. Wait, hold on. That doesn't... Make sense? Yeah, I agree. I mean, what other plans do the Drain Dwellers have? It's not like they have reservations at the Rainbow Room. No, no, what I meant was that Thanksgiving dinner that Katie is talking about? Oh, well, apparently she's invited, like, every superpowered person they have ever met since becoming Power Pack in issue number one to her house, but has not told her siblings. See? 
It's a surprise dinner party. Oh, oh no. Oh no. This is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? One costume change later, she leaves the alley and wanders back to the grocery store, where an angry and flustered Julie has been looking for her. Don't be mad, Julie. Something really great's gonna happen today. I just know it. Julie has just finished some grocery shopping and wants to hurry back in time to see their father. He has to go back to the hospital to spend some time with their mom. As the girls fly back to the apartment, they talk about going to the parade and seeing the balloons. You see, the Mighty Mouse balloon was always their mom's favorite. I just wish she could see it. I just know it'd make her feel better. Meanwhile, in Central Park... Home of the fighting... Oh my god, a flying horse has that child! No, not, not quite. That is just Beta Ray Bill flying down to the park with Franklin. Franklin is having a... <laughs> frank conversation with the alien Thor. He believes that Bill's people should have a parade for him on his planet. But the horse-headed hero hesitates. He knows that his people only see him as an unwelcome reminder of why they had to leave. Ah, yes. The heroes cursed always have to remain separate from those that he protects. I understand that. I myself have a hard time relating to those without beards. Whatever. Jerk. With the tap of his hammer, Bill regains his unremarkable civilian identity of a seven-foot-tall orange-skinned man with no nose in a bespoke suit. Did I say unremarkable? I meant wholly remarkable civilian identity. Well, he is in a fedora and trench coat, the classic superhero disguise. You are correct. In that get-up, he could be the Thing, or the Hulk, or any of the Turtles. Yep, it's a classic. If you wear it, nobody knows who you are. But anyway... Bill has been allowed to take Franklin to the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and to the power's totally normal and unremarkable dinner by a thankful Jarvis. The same Jarvis who must have realized it is easier to allow a strange superhero to take the kid instead of just waiting for him to run away again. Speaking of thankful, Franklin is really thankful that he has Power Pack, even when he argues with Katie, as he never got to argue before. He's also glad that he gets to spend the day with Bill, since his parents, the Fantastic Four, left him again to go adventuring. Poor kid. Actually, he's a great kid with poor parents. Meanwhile, at the Powers' apartment, home of the Fighting Brothers. Well, more of a cloudy brother and a mopey brother. Alex is still climbing up and down that grief ladder, lashing out in anger, feeling sorry for himself, blaming himself, and he's getting a lot of exercise. He is angry that people outside are like Katie, excited about a dumb parade. Don't they know that his mom is in the hospital? Yeah, people are jerks. They should show Alex the respect he deserves. Jack points out that he should be thankful for something. Like the fact that they have some sweet powers? Yeah, but superpowers can't save our mom. They're worthless, Jack. Worthless? Really? I think you have saved the world at least one time, remember? No, he doesn't, because he is still in a mood. The same one that made him use Katie as a weapon. And ain't nothing gonna pull him out of this. In fact, the gravity of his mood is even enough to pull Jack out of his happy orbit. Their dad pops into the boys' room to let them know he's heading to the hospital to check on their mom. He feels bad that he has to ditch them on Thanksgiving. Alex walks him out, and Dr. Powers confides in his oldest son that their mom is not well. An infection has set in, and the doctors are doing all they can. As he walks out, James makes Alex promise to take Katie to the parade and to watch out for the others. Not that I'm good enough to watch a hamster... But Alex, you're not being asked to watch a hamster. You have to watch your siblings. Hamsters are difficult to care for. They're small and cute and adorable. Sure, sometimes they destroy stuff. And sometimes they make a mess that you have to clean up. And they don't always understand what you're trying to tell them. And they don't respect that you're in charge. Huh. Okay. Maybe siblings are a lot like hamsters. Your mom never let you have a hamster, huh? Anyway, we get a few scenes of Alex looking at pictures of him and his parents when he was a baby. An only child at that time. He blames himself for his mom getting hurt. He blames himself for Allison not talking to him. 
He blames himself for the Cubs losing the 2016 World Series. I'm pretty sure that the last one was Steve Bartman's fault, but we've gotten off track. And I'm tired of listening to Alex play his personal sad violin. Meanwhile, in an alley off of Times Square... Home of the Fighting Alley Rats. <laughs> where? You better get off that sofa before my fiancé catches you. In this alley are the Teenage Trouble Tamers, Cloak and Dagger. They've appeared behind some dude who has just rolled a homeless guy for what looks like three bucks. Before we move on to the action, can we appreciate this alley? We have some prime NY80s graffiti on the walls. Kill the Bast, dot, dot, dot. Rude Boy, and Hi June, which must be a shout out to June Brinkman. And across the street, we see a marquee for Whips and Chains XXX. Huh, must be some specialty store having a sale on dessert toppings and anchors. And moving back to the action, Cloak starts to swallow up this ne'er-do-well in his cloak, then abruptly lets him go. His puzzled partner poses her perplexed problem to her pal. What the heck are you doing? The young black thief reminded Cloak of himself. He was alone, scared, and had a stutter. The only difference might be that Cloak had parents that cared about him. And it is Thanksgiving. Dagger is feeling melancholy, too. Wait, I thought that all these two kids did was stand around emoting melancholic feelings. Well, yeah, but this is just more so. But Cloak has a surprise for his monochrome mate. He teleports them to the top of the Dakota, so they can watch the parade from an awesome view. Ah, uh, Cloak's a nice scary man. Yeah, but even with all the music and merriment, it still makes Dagger feel alone. Well, at least he tried. Meanwhile in the Power Pack's lobby... Home of the fighting Super Pack lobbyists. Making this a bit political, aren't ya? Power ladies are just in time to see their dad before he heads off to the hospital. He gives his Katie Bear a hug and tells her she better hurry or she'll be late to the parade. Julie assures him not to worry about the family. She'll take care of him. Yeah, Julie knows that Alex is a worthless mess. And she is actually in charge. We already know that she is the one who knows how to cook, clean, sew, buy groceries, not kill bad guys. But Katie and her dad have a moment where she stares him straight in the eyes and asks, Mommy will be better soon. Right, Daddy? Right? And James can't answer. The dude is just trying to hold it together. Thankfully, Julie is there to field this powerful hit. Of course she will, Katie. What a question. Better go on, Dad, or you'll be late. And with that, she pushes her dad off and Katie into the elevator. And then Julie has her own moment of holding it together and not crying. Meanwhile, in that portion of the alley inhabited by the Morlock Drain dwellers... Home of the fighting... Uh... Drain dwellers. Starting to run out of witty witticisms, huh? Well, there's just a lot of meanwhiles in this issue. We crash in on a scene between Anna Lee, Leech, and Leech's kitten. Anna Lee is baking a sweet potato casserole and Leech is watching with interest. How nice to see them getting along. Oh, wait, never mind. The next panel we see her slapping aside Leech and restarting her old refrain about Leech being alive when her children are dead. Yeah, she's not pleased that he should be invited to Katie's party. She even makes a very unkind dig at the young boy, saying that he is sticking his nose into it, even though he doesn't even have a nose. Ouch. Not nice. Cat. Annalie does not care that the powers gave Leech a cat. She tells him that he is nothing to them, and then she just shoves Leech into a wooden crate and locks it. Slam. Look. Talk about a nasty old lady. This is horrible. And also reminiscent of our awesome cider. Get it? <laughs> Cider's not horrible. Remember, Leech is supposed to be there to both replace her dead children and to turn off her empath powers. But today, she is going to be thinking only happy thoughts. So she does not, in her own words, need his horrid presence to spoil her time with her adopted grandkids. How long do you think all these happy thoughts she'll be projecting last? I guess we will see, but I doubt it will be as long as she thinks. 
And as she walks away, we are left with a heartbreaking scene of the kitten scratching on the locked box. Meow. Scratch, scratch. Hey, question. When are we going to get to the funny parts? Hey, answer. Just because we're in the funny pages doesn't mean that the pages are going to be funny. But it's the holidays. Yeah, and whoever said that the holidays were fun for everyone? Meanwhile in the Powers apartment. Home of the fighting popcorn balls. Huh? Uh, Julie and Jack are wrapping popcorn balls. Oh yeah, I get it. While Katie is waiting impatiently to go to the parade and Alex is being grumpy McGrumpy pants on the couch. Julia is telling Katie to cool her heels and wait for them to finish wrapping the food. And Alex is calling both girls immature jerks. What is his deal? Well, he thinks that it's dumb that they're excited to go to the parade when their mom is in the hospital. Ring! Saved by the bell, Katie runs to get the phone, telling everyone that she's got it, passing a table with a book on it. The title of the book is The Goo Gam Gang, which is a very awesome call-out for a future issue of this series. Good catch. Speaking of good catches, Katie picks up the phone and very mysteriously says hi to someone named Kitty, and that after the parade is okay. An angry and suspicious Alex starts to pressure the youngest power about what is happening. Katie has been acting real strange, and there have been calls all weekend, and she is the only one who's getting to answer the phone. This is also the point that Julie points out that they have made way too many popcorn balls. Alex really starts to tear into everyone. He points out that there is food everywhere. It looks like they have been prepping for a party. He thinks that they don't care that their mom is in the hospital, with a now not-secret bad infection on her wounds, and that she might die. You see, Alex is in that lovely place we all have been at one time or another. He's feeling so down that he cannot understand why anybody else can feel happy. He feels that everyone should be wearing black and shaking their fists at the heavens. Meanwhile, several blocks downtown... Home of the fighting several blocks. We find Kitty and Wolverine getting off the payphone. Uh, what's a... payphone? See, back in the ancient times, before the ubiquitous use of cellular devices, people had to utilize these contraptions that were available to the public to complete phone calls to one another at their homes. These machines worked with coins that humans fed into them, allowing their user to communicate with others. So, you paid to put public pieces of plastic against your face. You know, when you say it like that... Anyway, Kitty and Wolverine were just checking in with Katie and are walking to the parade now. This is a nice little monologue showing what is happening with the X-Men and why Kitty is feeling so alone. The X-Family is really messed up right now, and she does not want to see her real family. She despairingly states that with all this venting going on, she must not be a swell person to spend Thanksgiving with. Wolverine says that he who doesn't want to spend it with anyone else. Aww. They've arrived late for the parade, but at the older X-Men's urging, Kitty uses her phasing powers to take them up to a higher vantage point. Meanwhile, inside a dark crate in the Morlocks Alley, home of the fighting fear of darkness and cramped spaces. This is quite a bouncy issue, ain't it? Bam, bam. Out. Please, Leech, go. Mew. Scratch, scratch. Cat. Friend. Leech is looking very sad and pathetic inside the box, with a kitten scratching on it, trying to help his friend. When who should enter? But Ape. Ape may not be the sharpest tool in the sewer shed. In fact, he is downright rusty. But he sees the kitten trying to get into the box, and he assumes it is chasing a mouse. So he unlatches the door, and Leech runs out and away, following Annalee. Ape stands there looking very perplexed. Hey, Jeff. What? Guess what time it is. Uh, clobber? Nope, it's another. Meanwhile, back above ground at the powers. Home of the fighting power grounders. Really searching the bottom of that barrel, aren't you? Alex's mood is finally starting to affect the others. Or at least Jack. What have we got to be thankful for? There's not even a real Thanksgiving dinner. Actually, Jackie boy, Katie has somehow talked Julie into making a really large turkey. And Katie is still trying to get them all to go to the parade. Ring! This time, Alex takes the phone from Katie's hands, and he is surprised to hear her from Professor Gilbert. Alex agrees that, yes, 
It is too far away for him and Dragon Man to come from California for the party, but he wishes them both a happy Thanksgiving. And then Alex, like, physically attacks Katie? To be fair, he's already pretty hot about things, and now he hears about a surprise Thanksgiving party. Jack and Julie are also shocked. Katie admits that she did not tell them because they would not let her if she asked, which is actually pretty good logic. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yep, she felt bad that their mommy was in the hospital, so she asked some of their friends over. Ape and Erg can't make it, she could not find Cloak and Dagger, and she sent a letter to the Daily Bugle, but Spider-Man didn't answer. That was because J. Jonah incinerated the letter. But she is expecting Annalee, Leech, Kitty, Wolverine, Beta Ray Bill, and Franklin. You know, as soon as the parade is over. So, everyone is cool with this, right? No, not as such. Alex starts to shake his sister in rage. You're a stupid, ungrateful little jerk, Katie Power. I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, how about she is just trying to bring happiness to the holiday? You can forget the parade. You don't deserve it. Yeah, okay, sure, yeah, that could be a reasonable punishment. And when those people show up for your party, Katie, you'll just have to tell them there isn't one. Wow, Julie, okay. Yeah, I can see you're pretty angry too. I won't. And I will see the parade. I have to. And Katie comes back with her counteroffer. And it's a strong counter. And you can't stop me. And out the door she goes. All of this. In the family mouth, Jack has not said a word. Wow. Jack and Julie do try to run after the fleeing fledgling, but Alec tells them to let her go. If she doesn't care about Mom, why should they care about her? Harsh, dude. Harsh. But he is not done yet. He repeats again that their mom will probably die. And it is his fault. So he opens a window and jumps out. Slam! If he was not a superhero that could fly, or, well, float, I would consider this to be pretty extreme. Holy cow! What? What happened? We blew it, that's what, with both of them. Jack and Julie decide to leave and try to find Katie because she is little. And Alex, the big jerk, can fend for himself because he is big. Meanwhile, coming out of the sewer... Home of the fighting oil water separators. Huh? The manhole cover Leech is coming out of has OWS on it. Oil water separator. <laughs> Jeez, Rick. Do some research before you show up in my basement. I hate you. So much. Or at least as much as Leech hates the cold. Well, it is November in New York, and he's wearing a yellow cloth sack. But he sees Annalie and starts to run after her anyway. Meanwhile, light years away... Home of the fighting... Oh my god, are you freaking kidding me? We're in space now? Yeah, I hear ya. We are now checking in on Friday and Kofi, and oh my gosh, I forgot to mention them in the cast listing because I forgot they were in here. Okay, Kofi. Alien and quotes cousin of the powers. He can teleport. Friday, smart ship that the powers liberated from Kofi's race. Good catch, dude. Friday and Kofi are talking about the differences Kofi and his father have. His father, the diplomat, is a healer, while he is a teleporter. But even with all his diplomatic talents, Kofi does not think his father can stop the upcoming Snark Wars. As a reminder, the Snark Wars are when the Snark Emperor dies, and all of the Snarks fight for control of the throne. That was the reason why Maraud had sent her high Snark son Jackal to Earth to capture the powers. And it was because of all of this that Kofi ran to Earth, destroying his father's smart ship. Basically, Kofi is afraid to tell his dad this, even though it was all in the hopes of saving the powers from finding out this important intelligence. Wow, that is some deep exposition in the- Meanwhile, back in Manhattan, home of the fighting jumping story arcs. Good news, everyone! Alex is freezing because he forgot to costume on, and he forgot to put on his wings, so he is bouncing around in the whim of the wind. Lucky for him, there's a building in his way, the Dakota, and he greets it with a hearty... Bump! After bouncing against the roof a few times, he manages to grab onto the ledge, preventing a nasty fall to the parade route below. As his hands fail him, Digger helps him over to the edge and onto the ledge. She also asks him what's up besides him, you know, up on the roof, and stuff. 
Alex's exposition dumps all over the crime-fighting duo, blaming himself and saying the others don't care. He admits he had a fight with his family and ran away. Ooh, well, you ran into the right couple of counselors. These two know something about running away. Cloak breaks it all down in a very awesome, shadowy panel. The upshot is this. Cloak and Dagger ran away before they realized that you can only do your best, and you cannot blame yourself. Don't let anger drive you to self-destruction, because that way lies anger. And anger leads to the dark side, and possibly cybernetic parts. It's nice to see Alex get some good, honest, and upfront counseling from these people that really seem to- Meanwhile, five blocks downtown! Home of the fighting, I don't even know what's happening now. The other fugitive from the family has him probably found Beta Ray Bill and Franklin on the Thanksgiving Day Parade route. Now, I could not find an old high school friend at the Rose Festival Parade in Portland when I knew what street corner she was on, but whatever. Franklin notices that Katie has been crying, which she has not, thank you very much, even though she has been. She says she's just mad. And then she tells these two what has been happening. Or, well, her version of it anyways. She says Alex and Julie yelled at her because they didn't want her to go watch the balloons. Kinda editing some stuff out, aren't you, Katie? Like, the surprise party you did not even tell them about? That was really the reason, but whatever. This devolves into a five-year-old fight about whose family is meaner. Hers or Franklin, because they are not even there. But do you know who is there? Who? Big balloons of Smokey the Bear and Kermit the Frog. And Julian Jack, causing clouds and rainbows in the sky as they look for Katie. Katie threatens Franklin that if he yells for them, she will slug him. Naturally. Above, the two power children admit that there are too many people to find Katie, which Katie is disproved by randomly finding Franklin and an average guy in a fedora and trench coat, but they hope she is okay and that they should keep looking. Hey, speaking of green things, the Kermit balloon keepers are having a time controlling it in the wind, and someone in the crowd notices that one of the Kermit clowns looks cold. Wait a minute, that is no clown, that is Leech. And he gets freaked out by the giant green balloon. The poor little guy probably has no concept of what a Muppet is. But he knows what a monster is when he sees one. No. Monster. Green. Leech. Monster. Anna Lee, on the other hand, has spotted Leech and cranked up her nastiness to ludicrous speed, screaming about how dare he escape to follow her and calling him a little frog. She also turns on her empathy power to plaid and directs the balloon holders to stop Leech through her hate. How very dark helmet of her. And it works. They all let go of their lines and start chasing poor Leech, screaming. Stop him. Get him. Hurt him. Well, this starts to cause a chain reaction as the wind blows Kermit into Smokey, and then a rope gets wrapped around a kid's leg, and the wind starts blowing the balloon and death-dragging the kid. Above this madhouse is Jack and Julie, and they recognize the empathy blast as belonging to Anna Lee. They have two problems, the balloons and Anna Lee. At the same time, Kitty and Wolverine also feel the residues of a psychic attack, and they see the balloons causing chaos. It is almost like all of the storylines we have been holding onto are just part of a big balloon that symbolizes the story. You're proud of yourself for that, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. Well, Jack has one thing to say about that. Shove it down, Lightspeed. Well, okay then. She is trying to, but the wind is blowing really hard. Kitty and Wolverine are down below, with, with Kitty phasing past the whipping lines to the tethered kid, while Wolvie Snicked. takes care of the ropes. Slash. Well, he is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is cause minor property damage while being a replacement pair of scissors to cut rope. As Jack solidifies and takes some ropes next to Wolverine, they exchange pleasantries, including an awkward moment when Wolverine has to remind Jack that they are coming over for dinner after the parade. Whoops. Well... Jack did just learn about it, but he quickly confers with Julie and they decide to just let them come over. Katie did invite them. Wolverine jumps in to say that Kitty has made enough rolls to feed an army. 
but before they can exchange batter recipes, the Tasmanian Devil roars into view. Well, the balloon version of the character with no one to hold its ropes. This causes Wolverine to yell out, What the heck's going on? A good question. Well, Wolverine, you were here for part of the story, but it all started- Meanwhile on Snark World! I said, Meanwhile on Snark World! I don't want to play anymore. Oh, come on. No, no, this is just getting ridiculous. These meanwhiles are jumping us all over the place and interrupting dialogue chains. Please, I'll give you some homemade rolls. Eh, okay, fine. Home of the Fighting Queen Mothers. There, was that so- Oh my eyes, that is a close-up of a Queen Mother snark. She's not happy as an underling is reporting back on the location of her missing son Jackal. They know he located the power hatchlings, then sent in a report, and was ready to capture them and take their powers, then nothing more. She is- not happy. She needs her son here to assume the throne when they win the war. She only has the one high snark son, and if he isn't here to claim the mantle, then this will all have been for nothing. In fact, she knows that they will be nothing in the new regime. She expresses her displeasure like any good ruler by throwing stuff at her underlings. She's on a roll. By the way, speaking of roles, where's mine? Uh, Wolverine hit it. Hey, that was my roll. Give it back. Meanwhile, back in New York, <sighs> home of the fighting Mighty Mouse. Below the above-mentioned balloon, Katie is helping Franklin get over Annalee's empathy blast. He was ready to attack Leech, but Katie only has eyes for Mighty Mouse. He was her mom's favorite. As she is going on about that, Beta Ray Bill takes a moment to transform. Kasum! Into his mighty Thor attire to help with crowd control, while Katie asks Franklin if he has had any dreams about bad things happening with a balloon. Hmm, this doesn't sound good. No. No, it does not. With Bill occupied saving people and being a hero, Katie leads Franklin over to the Mighty Mouse balloon lines and starts a series of the most insane events in this whole book, and that is saying something. First, she disintegrates the ropes that the handlers were using to try and control this helium hoverer. Then, she and Franklin climb onto the cape of the balloon. Finally, they begin to ride the balloon by sitting on top of it. <laughs> I love Franklin's line. But Katie, you can't just take a balloon. That's stealing. Franklin, little buddy, let's review the priority of things here. You are riding and trying to steer a parade balloon. Stealing it is the least of your problems. Katie doesn't care. She is determined to steer the thing past her mother's room. She is adamant that the sight of it will help her mother get better. Sides, Franklin can just get off the balloon if he wants to. Well, since they are firmly not on terra firma anymore, Franklin is stuck. And so is Katie. Meanwhile, uptown... Home of the fighting, oh yeah, we all want to kill Leech subplot. Leech is running and a mob is following him. And Cloak and Dagger and Alex are watching the chaos unfold. As Dagger gets a blast of what Annalie is cooking, and I'm not talking about those sweet potatoes, Alex has to talk her down and tell her that Leech is their friend, even though he's ugly. Nice, Alex. What, you can only have beautiful people like Dagger as your friend? Real nice of you to ugly shame Leech. Real nice. He does point out that Annalie is the cause for the hate. He explains that she is projecting empath, and they need Leech to turn off her power. But since he is too far away, he sends C and D to get Leech while he jumps down and tackles Annalie. Alex's plan works. Dagger and Cloak take a moment to convince Leech that they are not monsters. They do so by saying that they are not monsters and neither is he, which is very nice. Not only do they bring Leech and Annalie closer together, but Cloak teleports them all back up to their perch on the Dakota. Um, shouldn't Leech's power cancel out Cloak's? Well... Cloak says that whenever the source of his power, it is not affected by Leech. They even guess that it is because they are not mutants, which is funny because there was a time that they were labeled as mutants, which did wonders for their sense of self-worth. Because, you know, kill the mutant, purge the unclean. Anyway, they get back on the roof and have a little chat. Meanwhile, on the back of a balloon, home of the fighting impossible physics. 
Yeah, we have the two most gravity-aware members of the pack riding on a Mighty Mouse balloon, attempting to control it by pulling random strings, and they're sitting on the cape creating a sail. What follows is a series of panels featuring two small children arguing about how they should do something that is, well, impossible. Call the Mythbusters, we have got a doozy for them. To be fair, Katie is trying to use some logic by applying things she has seen Alex do with his wings. That is like me saying I can do stunt driving because I have seen the Italian job a half a dozen times. And you don't even own a Mini. As I was saying, with a few more pulls and flips, the two young heroes gain control of their zany zeppelin and aim it towards the hospital. Because there's nothing that sick people would not want to see except an out-of-control balloon flying right at them. Speaking of sick people, they manage to be at the right height and the right angle to see Maggie Power's room Talk about a coincidence! Jim is inside, reading next to his comatose wife's bed as his youngest daughter is on a balloon outside yelling. Mommy! Look, Mommy! Look outside! Hey, Katie! Secret identity from your parents, remember? Well, the indecipherable noise outside is enough for Jim to look up and see the big balloon heading straight for the window. What with the imminent crashing that should happen, and he drops a holy cow right in the middle of the page he was reading. Katie is basing her belief that everything will be fine on the simple idea that Franklin did not dream anything bad will happen. Franklin informs her of two important facts. He does not dream everything, and she wouldn't listen to him anyway. Undeterred, Katie proposes an insane plan of them holding on to a certain rope, sliding off, flipping the balloon so that it's pointing up, and then holding on for dear life before they will probably die. Well, the last part is what Franklin thinks will happen. At first, Operation Dummy Drop seems to be working, at least until the balloon does a lump against the building, and they both fall off. While plummeting to his death, Franklin has enough wherewithal to get one last dig in at Katie. See, I told you you don't listen. The plummeting then continues in earnest. Here I come to save the day! You know, I've been waiting for Andy Kaufman to show up. Nope, it's Beta Ray Bill. He has been looking for the two youngsters and saw them fall. But he's curious about how they ended up on the balloon. Katie did it on purpose. I told her, but she went missing. Tattletale. As the two kids reenact their balloon ride by holding onto the back of the more stable flying hero, Bill grabs Mighty Mouse's ropes and carries it back to the parade route, while explaining to Katie how utterly stupid and reckless her actions were. If you have never been dressed down by a cybernetic horse-faced godlike being, you truly have not lived. True that. A relieved James watches as Better Ray Bill drags away the balloon, unsure of what just happened or who was involved. Back at the parade route, all is returned to normal. The people are not freaking out and the balloons are back under control. And soon, Bill alights on the ground near Jack and Julie and Kitty and Wolverine. Katie, to her credit, instantly admits what she did to her sister and brother. Her entire plan was to get the balloon near the window so her mom would see it. The Mighty Mouse balloon was her mom's favorite, as we have heard again and again. And again. And Maggie loved the parade balloons because they made problems small. And with Katie's five-year-old logic, she thought that the problem of the infection, plus hospital, plus balloon, plus Thanksgiving, would equal mommy as well. Well, that checks out. She is very sorry. She admits she knows what she did was wrong now, and that Alex was right. I'm a thoughtless brat, just like he said. Come on, guys. Katie can explain the rest of it at home. It's freezing out here, and I, for one, have had as much of this parade as I can take for one day. And the three power children lead Franklin, Betteray Bill, Kitty Pride, and Wolverine to their family's apartment, destroying any privacy that they have to these strangers. Because who needs secret identities anymore? Meanwhile on the Dakota's roof, home of the fighting, I totally give up. Seriously, no more fighting. Yeah, almost there, brother. The other batch of heroes are still trying to figure out why Leech was chasing Anna Lee and why Anna Lee was causing the chaos. Leech has a simple answer. Alone. 
What? Mama? I'm not Leech's mama. Leech is monstrous. He's nothing like my slain children, my beautiful dead babies. And then Annalee explains that she just wanted a nice, normal Thanksgiving without Leech. So she locked him in a closet like any self-respecting, horrible, and evil foster mother would do. I would like to point out I said horrible and evil foster mother because I know that there are wonderful, loving, and caring foster parents who would never do this to a child. And Alex points out that even though she locked him in a closet, Leech still wanted to be with her. Alex wants to know why. Annalee, cry. Leech, make better. And then, Leech goes over to the crying woman to make sure she is okay. He is still more worried about Anna Lee than himself. Leech is amazingly selfless. How cool is that? It is very touching. Enough that Anna Lee finally gets it. After how many times the power pack has been involved, she finally realizes she has someone who does care for her and only wants a little bit of love in return. And she admits that she has been the one who's the monster. And now, Alex gets it too. He needs to be thankful for what he has, not angry about what he doesn't have. He also sees that he is not the only kid who wants his mom. The gravity boy, even... Sheds a tear. Aww. A repentant Alex asks Cloak and Dagger if they can go home now. And they appear on the fire escape outside the power apartment as Katie is inside explaining to everyone why she secretly invited everyone over to Thanksgiving dinner. As she is saying these words, her picture is paired against the various shots of the assembled heroes, making a very touching monologue. And, well, Katie, take it away. I invited you all to come to my party because my mommy's in the hospital and she's hurt very bad. I asked you to come because I was so sad and I thought that a lot of people are alone and sad on Thanksgiving. And Julie said she learned from meeting the Morlocks that when you're miserable and alone, it's better to be miserable and alone together. So I invited all the alone people we knew for Thanksgiving dinner. The people who didn't have any family at all or have family far away but i didn't tell anybody and it wasn't right i didn't think i just did what i wanted and alex and julie and jack were so mad at me and they were right i should have asked you all it wasn't fair to alex i know how he feels and i know you'll all be mad at me now but you have to go home because i can't have a party and no no wait everybody listen there's no reason we can't have a party, as long as we're going to be miserable about it. It is a Christmas miracle. Dude, it's Thanksgiving. And we're recording it after New Year's, so whatever. I don't even know when this episode is coming out. Alex invites everyone to stay and enjoy the food that they all brought. Much later, after the food has all been eaten, the assembled heroes all take their leave. Beta Ray Bill flies away with Franklin in his arms, with Franklin mentioning that he's thankful that they didn't get killed. Yeah, I usually end Thanksgiving dinner the same way, but for self-inflicted food reasons. Kitty gives Katie a hug, thanking Power Pack for making her remember that she needs to be happy she has her parents, even though they are split up. Dagger gives Alex a kiss, and says that it is the nicest Thanksgiving she ever had. And the look on Alex's face tells us that he will never ever think about Allison McCord again. Who? Exactly. Finally, Annalie and Leech get ready to go. The kids have dressed Leech up in their old clothes, and Leech is over the moon. Look at the smile on his face. Jack is finishing the really stylish sartorial scene by showing the secret of sneakers by tying the laces. Good on you, Jack. The bundled up and tukified Leech is pretty warm, but a much nicer Annalie points out that it is cold outside and helps Leech pull up his hood, and she promises Leech that he won't be cold anymore as they walk towards the elevator. And coming out of the elevator is a very tired James Power. Don't worry, dearie. I'm sure everything will work out fine. Well, that was odd, but not the oddest thing that James has seen today. Inside, the kids ask about their mom, and James retells the story about the balloon almost crashing into the hospital. 
Katie wants to know if their mom saw it. Nope, she's still unconscious. But he admits that it probably would have done her good. It was her favorite, you know. Julie presses her dad to eat dinner, even though he says he's not hungry. She makes him a quick plate with all of their leftovers. And sitting at the head of the table, with five other wooden chairs, four good children, three plates of food, two word balloons, and a glass full of milk, he admits that even with all of the bad things, there is an awful lot to be thankful for. He's really amazed about the fantastic homemade rolls and sweet potato casserole, saying that if they keep cooking like this, they're going to have to open up a restaurant. Wah, wah, wah. Next issue, the New Mutants guest star in Turning Point. Well, there you go. Another giant-sized issue in the bag. You know what I really liked about this issue? What? It really reminded me of that John Lennon song. Which one? You know, the one that goes, Powers Thanksgiving, and what have they done? They fed cloak and dagger. Wolverine had some fun. Now Leech has a mama to warm him when cold. Anna Lee holds him close. That's better, I'm told. You know, that one. That isn't exactly a Lenin song. I may have taken some liberties. You think? A little bit. Mm. I'm going to wrap myself in some power pack packaging. Oh, that is nice. It's and nice comfy. and warm. Yes. Oh, you know, that giant size issue cover fits you really well. You look pretty darn snug and pretty fit and pretty look. It just looks good. You seen I'm fat? No, I'm just saying you're giant sized. Well, you know, with a giant size issue that on the cover we have like... Psh, Everybody? Everybody? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this Brent Anderson drawn cover. The inks were by Jackson Guise. I believe I said that name right. If not, I am sorry. But he's a solid artist with a number of credits. At this time when this issue was made, he had done a lot with Micronauts and some X-Factor work with Louis Simonson. Yeah, this is basically just a splash page with most of the heroes on it. Uh, it's missing Cloak and Dagger, though, but everybody else is on it. Yeah. Well, it also doesn't have the, the Morlocks. Right. Yeah. It's 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 the big money draw It's the money it's, draw. It's the money draw. Yeah. It is kind of funny that, you know, front and center is Beta, Beta Ray, Ray Bill. Bill. Yeah, yeah, but it, it is one of the things of, like, Beta Ray Bill's got the front and center spot, and you got Wolverine and Kitty Pride down below. I, I don't remember, but it was... was Beta Ray Bill that big back then? I, you know, I, I had friends who loved him. Uh, for some people I know, Beta Ray Bill is the bomb. You yeah, know, he's that's like, fair. He's like, it's he like name still... your favorite top, top Marvel hero and they're all Beta Ray Bill. But it is a very, very small, yet vocal right. minority. It's just, I mean, I, I like him too. Mm -hmm. I, the only thing I can think of is I think it's maybe because her it's her husband's creation. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, this is nowhere near any scene or any reminiscent of anything that has happened in this book. It's just a absolute cover of, hey, look who's in the book and... Come buy our book. Yeah, you come uh, buy our uh -huh. book. Odds are come you like one of these characters. Book. Come buy our book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, odds are you like one of these characters, so pick it up for that. Yeah, you have no clue by looking at this what's going to happen oh, in nothing. this book, what's going on. Yeah. It's just come here. Yeah, bye, 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 bye. Yeah, there's people in here. Come Throw see down what your it's about. buck 25. To buck buy. 25. Uh. Buck 25. And I mean, the, the other ones that we've been doing have been not much, like 90 cents. Something like Something, that. I, I can't yeah. remember either right now. It's like all the power a pack buck. we have, none of them's right here right now. But yeah, yeah. so like, th this no, is... it, they'd be less than a buck because I got a lot of mine uh, have their price tags still on them for like a buck. So it's like seventy five cents, I think. Yeah, seventy five sounds about right. Yeah. It is a thick forty page book, and it is 
no nope. letters pages no yeah it's just it's like, yeah it's it's cram a, a comic and go yes let's talk about some of the other themes that we've got in this book before we really dig into what we thought of it mm-hmm. i want to start off with that this is this book represents a few different things so this is the final wrap of the sewer storyline which started on issue 11 and that's where the problems and that's where they first went underground the next one was called underground when they were going back to get their uh, book bags. The book bags, yeah. and then the X Men one ninety five, where they were kidnapped, and that's when they first met the X Men. You know, this is kind of the wrap up of a lot of that storyline. Yeah. It's kind of nice to see it finally concluded. We finally have Annalee has already come to grips with "Don't steal the power, kids." Yeah, that's but great. She didn't try and steal them once. <laughs> she did not try to steal them once. She still did something very bad because uh, she's a bad granny. Yeah, but but <clears throat> she did. Uh, she did do a good job of finally recognizing that. She has a kid that loves her unconditionally, and she finally realized, I am I have to love him too. It's nice to see that she's finally become more woke about that. Which is good. This is also part of the ongoing Beyonder storyline. We are not done with the Beyonder yet, because even though he wasn't mentioned, this is still another, another part of the saga. The Beyonder caused their mom to get hurt. She's in the hospital. She's still recovering, and she's going to be recovering for quite a while. But we still are seeing the after effects of that. Mm-hmm. We also have the first meeting of Franklin and Leach, which yeah, they okay, they actually did meet. Yeah, they yeah. met up at the apartment. They didn't yes. meet uh, before that. Right. Yeah, his uh, Franklin's first meeting is that he wanted to kill the monster, kill the little green kid. Which is funny because um, I recently got finished reading the Future Foundation, just kind of catching up where all of Power Pack has ended up in the few years I stopped reading comics until recently. But I re- finished reading that, and it's very interesting that. Back when that came out in 2012, I think it was, Franklin Richards and Leach are like best friends. Oh, okay, cool. And they go on adventures together. And it's just, I mean, yes, he's on the on the Future Foundation together, but they are specifically uh, realized that they are best friends. And it's just interesting that, hey, we have got the beginning of that relationship yeah, here. Yeah, that's the start here. So it's kind of nice to see that that has gone forward. <laughs> you know you know what would be funny is if uh, there's people in the Future Foundation whose hyper-intelligence is power-based, and then it's like they're all, you know, uh, uh, I kind of got this mind fog going on. I, Leech. What did I build yesterday? Oh, hey, Leech is here. <laughs> Can you just stand over yeah. there for a second? I need, I, could you, we, we put tape down. You got to stay outside that tape line for our experiments because we forget. <laughs> personally, I think it's kind of cool. I, I, I think by then Leech has learned how to control his power more. I, they didn't really weren't explicit with it, but I think he was lear- able to learn to control it and bring it in closer to him. Mm-hmm. But I think it might also have helped Franklin at some points. Like, hey, we'll just cut your power a little bit for you. Maybe does does Leech affect Franklin's powers? Should. Is Franklin a mutant or is he yeah. an altered human? Or he's a mutant. Okay. His parents' genes were altered, so when he was born, yes, he is a mutant. Okay. There's a fabulous piece of artwork that I believe was done by Fabian Nesaza. I think that I recently read on on Twitter that he did it, and I could be wrong, but I believe that's right. He made the the famous in-house ad of one out of four children is a mutant, and it's got three kids who are normal, and then there's Franklin Richards in his power pack uniform, (laughs) and it says Muty on the the front. (laughs) Um, But he's the one who did that. So, yes. That's cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the meaning of Thanksgiving. Oh, we should talk about the meaning of Thanksgiving. (laughs) Because I think that this book does a really good job of bringing up that question consistently. And yet, I I gotta say, by the end of it, I didn't feel like I was being beaten over the head with it. 
No, it was it was kind of you know it wasn't the this time on a very special episode of Power Pack right. kind of thing. It was just like yep, yeah, a lot of people come into the realization that you know a lot of people have it bad. And you can accept that, but maybe you should also look outside of that and go, right. hey, you know, there are still some good stuff. I can feel bad about this stuff, but I can also feel good about that. You know, we have a lot of superheroes here, and I think that all of the superheroes that have shown up in this issue, they all are lonely for their own reasons. Oh, I yeah. think there's a good, you, you really look at this like, oh, here's these you know, great superheroes. they got all these families and all these people they know, but they are each lonely in their own way, and they have things that they can be really sad about, especially on a holiday like Thanksgiving. And through the course of this, they're all kind of realizing what there is to be thankful for. Yeah. And I, I think that Louis Simonson did a really good job of weaving that together, but not beating us over the head with the top of the head with it. it I don't know how she really managed it, because it's really sweet and saccharine at some points. Yeah. But at the end of it, I still was saying, I, I accept it. Yeah, it was a really nice message. And it was great that the, the Powers invited absolutely every hero that they knew yep. that was super depressed, excluding Marina. <laughs> If uh, you notice that, it's like it's like I just invited all of our friends who we know that are lonely and need people, and uh, except Marina, because well, they wanted to still have a fun party, <laughs> yeah. and Marina tends to just bring it down. A few yeah. She's the Debbie Downer skit from SNL. Yeah. Yeah, Wolverine's like, <laughs> Wolverine's all like, yeah, Kitty brought a bunch of homemade rolls. They're pretty good. And, and then Marina would be all like, I'm gluten intolerant. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. She also brought sorghum sorghum rolls. Oh, I can't have sorghum because my cousin was killed at a sorghum factory plant, so I'm boycotting them. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> And on this episode of Debbie Downer, no, <laughs> yeah, Marina Downer, <laughs> uh, down down in the trench with Marina. <laughs> so another thing to be thankful for on Thanksgiving is the New York Parade, aka the Macy's Day Parade, mm-hmm. aka oh the infamous infamous New York Parade. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't know what I gotta say about that. No, I had, it's, I, everybody, you know, I I know lots of people that specifically sit down and mm-hmm. watch it or have it on. Yeah. And I have a handful of times, but I don't actively seek it out. I kind of like to not be bombarded with stuff. I like it. Um, I have seen it a few times. I kind of kicked myself a little bit because there was one Thanksgiving when I was in high school that my family went over to my cousin's house, or my cousin's apartment, I should say. She was living in New York City with a couple of other Mm -hmm. ladies at the time. Her friends had gone home, so she had some room. She had her family and our family over, and I think there was an opportunity for me to go and see the parade. Oh, live? Yeah. That would be different. And I didn't because uh, I was an angsty teenager. Oh, so, you know. That's a lot of people. That's yeah. a lot of people that just. now. And nowadays I'm kind of like, what was I thinking? Why didn't I go, you know, get up early, go see? But yeah. I, I had a friend of mine recently talking about their daughter where they were saying, oh, yeah, they, she hit the stage where it was just like just sat in her car you know it's like hey we're going here do you want to go see this thing and i can't remember what they went to go see but it was something awesome it's like hey let's go out and see this and she's like no i'm gonna sit in the car and listen to my headphones and it was like that was the trip it was just sat in the car with her headphones on it's like you know there's an entire world out there that's really awesome that you might actually like i posed this question on the secret wars podcast when we talked about this issue and the couple other issues before it what five superheroes would you invite to a thanksgiving dinner okay i i kind of thought this one through a little bit and i think i would invite uh ant-man okay giant man goliath uh yellow jacket 
and Hank Pym. Cute. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the five heroes I'd bring. Who would you bring? (laughs) Otherwise, I'd bring, you know, I I think I'd bring the, uh, a little bit of the sadder, but also, you know, the real friendly heroes. So it would be kind of, you know, like Spider-Man, old Ben Grimm, you know, it's just kind of the people that need the little pick-me-up, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, Bruce Banner. That's a nifty one, though, because, you know, know, if, 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 you know, Hank Pym takes the last role and Bruce really oh, had his eye oh, okay, on it. Okay, hold on. I didn't say Hank Pym was actually going to come to my no, I, I was. I don't know who, but if... Okay, The Thing. If The Thing took the last role mm-hmm. and Banner had his eyes on it, then you don't have an apartment anymore. Eh, who said I'm having it at my place? Oh, wait, you said that I'm having it at my place. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure there's insurance for that. And I mean, individual... I mean, come on. Anytime Ben's going to break anything, he's going to be like, don't worry, Stretch will pay for it. <laughs> Let's hear. I get a much nicer house. I, I think I would have uh, the two Hawkeyes mm-hmm. because I think that they are an absolute kick and a joy. Yeah, and Bishop I, and I, and, uh, yeah, yeah Kate Bishop is 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 just fun and enjoyable to have around. And Clint, you're going to get a story, and yeah. it's going to be entertaining. And you you never oh, know I, oh, you never yeah, know oh, if assassins are going to attack. So yeah, there I, I would probably also bring like Jarvis. Uh, yeah. you know, he's not really a hero, but just well, people you know people you, that you are like what? constantly you, serving to, other people to, that to, would be like so that they could have like hey just sit back man just enjoy. Know, actually, you know what I, I was going to say? No, you're right. Jarvis would not, wouldn't be bad because I need somebody to serve the food. Yeah, and then he'd clean up after. Yeah, that'd be nice because yeah. he is butler. You know, yeah. butler. and then uh, have it a potluck and bring. Fine, sir. I'll take the yeah. dishes now. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, have it be a potluck, and then have uh, invite Galactus, and he'd bring you an entire another planet. Oh. <laughs> it's like I brought a planet and a moon to share. Let's see here. Uh, Probably gonna I, eat a lot of the planet. I think I would invite. Uh, I'd invite Glob Herman from the X Men. Oh, oh, her, yeah, yeah. Because I just want to make sure that everyone's uncomfortable. Oh, that would just be visually uncomfortable. Visually for uncomfortable. Everybody. Visually uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. But I think it'd be a, just a delight to have. It probably would be. Probably a very, very good delight. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I think that I would bring Namor because you uh, have to have the one person who is just an arrogant. I do not need Namor in my no, house. You, you need air. You need the one person to be arrogant there that everybody else can just gather up and just you know be angry at. <laughs> and if you're going to be angry at somebody, be angry at the abs of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's see here to round it out. We need somebody who is just the life of a party. Let's see here, Wong. Wong. Oh, Wong. yeah, he's got it going on. Yeah. yeah, I think that Wong would be great, especially because it would just annoy the Doctor Strange that he didn't get invited. Yeah, that would be pretty great. Yeah, it would be great for Wong to just get out from under a shadow. See, exactly. That's what I'm kind of saying. It's yeah. like some of the people that are like, you know, you're kind of always a little oppressed. Why sure. don't you just have, have this is your day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you ever forgive Anna Lee? Ah, dude, that's a hard one. I know. That is super hard because it's it's one of those things. Personally, probably not, even I mean, though forgiveness is divine and all that stuff. But it's just, yeah, I it's, mean, it's, to, to, to be, I, to start off with, the power kids bent over backwards. Like, you've tried kidnapping yeah. us so many times. We are going to let it go. We're going to let you be our adopted grandmother. Katie invited her to Thanksgiving. She had one job. Yeah. Well, she had two jobs. Mm-hmm. Bring some food. Bring leech, and the she food was probably an off. Failed at one of them. Yeah, no, I, I, it's really hard. But it she is, did. Yeah. She, it looked like she really learned her lesson. Oh yeah, and there was real tears at the end. But wow, my eyes gonna. I, we're gonna keep your eye on her. Okay. Yeah, it, it's at the same time. It's kind of like there's probably gonna be some slipping. But yeah. yeah, it was just. It's really hard when like massive tragedy hits somebody, and you're kind of like, I'm trying to be empathic with that. I fully understand. I mean, she lost. Her family, yes, she her lost entire her family, her children. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like in a that's horrible rough. way. Uh, yeah, and it's that ruins 
relationships and people's lives. It really does. It's like you're the survivor, yeah. and that doesn't mean that you're moving on. Uh, that's another. So. I forgot too. That that is another thing in, that this issue does. Is this issue continues on her struggle to get over her kids, which yeah. actually started back in an e- earlier X Men issue that we didn't even cover, yeah. where her kids were actually killed. But it's nice to see that Kitty and Wolverine were kind of part of that as well, yeah. too. So, and, but it was also nice because she's talking to Alex after she kind of figures out, you know, what's what. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, Alex, your mom has been kind to you your entire life. She deserves your love. Yeah. I've been horrible to leech this entire time, and he still loves me. Yeah. This is on me. Yes. All of this is on me. Leech, there's a forgiving soul. Oh, just the most forgiving. Just <laughs> utterly forgiving. And yeah. how horrible is his life? The, uh, like, the worst. Yeah. Yeah, he's got. I mean, it looks, it really, it really looks like the first clothes that he has ever been given. Yeah. We're by Power Pack. Yeah. So, yay on Power Pack. Yeah, no, good on them. They, yeah, it's... Yeah, nobody has gone to the trouble of saying, maybe you need pants or a jacket. Everybody's just been like, you're wearing your sack. Or right. it kind of looks like a christening gown kind of thing. But it's just like, here's a, a thin, sheer material thing. It's not going to keep you warm. It's not going to cool you off. It's just it's just covering part of your body. And I'm pretty Dumb. sure that, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Power Pack kids didn't even blink twice. Oh, here is our old clothes that yeah. we have outgrown. Yours, yours, yours. Yeah, well, I'm going to get into this later. But yeah, part of that too is just like, well, we've outgrown most of them. And so that means also the fact that it's just like, they didn't outgrow all of them. So, But yeah, but they outgrew them. Something that the parents wouldn't necessarily miss. Yeah. What the parents would miss if it was missing would be their library card. (laughs) But that's okay because... We got the library card in spades here. Yeah, you made some really good finds on this one. I, uh, to, to the point where I was like, I didn't notice this. Good job, <laughs> Rick. You you let stuff pass by sometimes. but No, this time... You picked it up. To, to be fair, I was looking. I was like, there's got to be something I can use. I was originally going to try to maybe talk about one of the characters who were one of the balloon characters, but... None of them are really literary. They yeah. mostly are pop culture references. They're all pop culture. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, that's not going to work. Well, there is a scene in this book on page six where Alex went after his dad leaves. He's feeling sorry about himself. He floats himself up to the top of a bookshelf where he, there's a picture of him as a baby w- with his parents when they're out somewhere. I think it's just his mom. Oh, it's just his mom. Yeah. It's him in his mom's arm when he's a baby. And he's looking at this, but he he floats himself up to the top of this bookcase, and the bookcase is very detailed. The art in this book is extremely good. It, 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 to the point where you're looking at people in the crowd, and it's like, are those people he I, knows? I think I think so. I really do think yeah. so. But I happen to glance at this bookcase because, like, oh look, books. Maybe I can see something on that bookshelf that I can talk about. I got out my little magnifying glass on my phone mm-hmm. and really focused in on that page. And boy howdy, here's what I saw. There is certain books on that page that have names on them, like titles of a book. And this is what I saw. I saw one that said N.C. Wyeth. He was an American artist and illustrator. He was a pupil of artist Howard Pyle. Stay tuned. And he became one of America's greatest illustrators. He was mostly well known for illustrating Scribner classics, including Treasure Island. Another book, Howard Pyle. He was an American illustrator and author, primarily of books for young people. He was known as a teacher of illustration, and he taught many of the greats. He is known for The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, of illustrating that. Leyendecker, which could be either Frank James or Joseph Christian. They are brothers and fellow illustrators. J.C. painted over 400 magazine covers, especially the Saturday Evening Post before Norman Rockwell. 
David G. First of all, I thought, oh, look, there's one of these books says G. No, that was... <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, the note, yeah. And then I was like, no, 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 hold on. That is David G., who is an English painter from the early 1800s. He did battles and landscapes. There was Edmund Dulac, who was a French-British naturalized magazine illustrator and book illustrator and stamp designer. One more book, Arthur Rackham. He was an English book illustrator, and he is recognized as one of the leading literary figures during the golden age of British book illustration. Some of his well-known works are the illustrations of Rip Van Winkle, Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, and Fairy Tales of the Brother Grimm. So, what we got here is a bookshelf that has all of these books, and these are all Maggie's books. Yeah, they are. Because she's got her pictures of her family up there. These are all books on artists, on famous artists that she probably used and looked at many times as her career as an artist. So that is what I am bringing from the library card because I just thought that that was pretty cool and it was very nice little Easter egg that was in there and it all tied in really well. Yeah, and you noticed the the Gugam book too. I did notice the Gugam. Yeah, that one is, that one, it's hidden but it's right there. Right. That was the one that I noticed. I didn't pay attention to the bookshelf. I was just like, oh, he's going to the picture. Uh, But yeah, so you noticing that and the fact that it... Not only is it you know Maggie's book, so it's books that she does. It's probably Brent Anderson's uh, books that he's looked at as well. So he's like, "What do I? What should I put on the bookshelf?" Hey, wait a minute. Right. I'll go to my bookshelf. He probably just rebuilt his bookshelf and put it in the comic. Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very cool scene, and I'll make sure to include that on our web page when we post this one up. That's my corner. What's in your corner of the basement? <laughs> science, hard cold science, and orchids. <laughs> and a dishwasher, and a bunch of junk that's being stored, and a piano, and a mannequin lawyer. It's a crowded <laughs> It's a crowded basement. It's a very crowded basement. One of the main themes in this issue dealt with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade Balloons. So, let's float some parade balloon info your way. First time balloons cost at least $190,000. This covers admission into the parade and the cost of the balloon's construction, which can take up to a year. After the initial year of being in the parade, companies can expect to pay Macy's about $90,000 to get a character into the parade lineup. In 1927, Felix the Cat became the first giant balloon featured in the Macy's Day Parade. The dimensions of parade balloons can vary, but most are about 5 to 6 stories high and somewhere around 60 feet long and 30 feet wide, and are made of polyurethane fabric and weigh between 50 and 515 pounds. It takes 90 minutes to inflate the big balloons, which, on average, contain 12,000 cubic feet of helium, which is capable of lifting nearly 750 pounds. Each balloon requires up to 90 handlers, who have to weigh at least 120 pounds and be in good health. Each balloon is also tethered to two 800-pound utility vehicles. An interesting thing that I found out was that Maggie's favorite balloon, Mighty Mouse, is actually the second iteration of the character as the first version was retired after a six-year run in 1956 after escaping his handlers because of 45-mile-an-hour winds and then deflating near Columbus Circle. This retirement was also due to people finding the character outdated and unpopular. Mm-hmm. Poor Mighty Mouse. Poor Mighty Mouse, but he came back. He did. And he looks really good. He looks better than his old version. That's good, because we may see him in the next part of our podcast, which, of course, is everybody's favorite, the Refrigerator Gallery. (laughs) All right. We want to talk about what piece of art in this book needs to be on the family refrigerator. Jeff, 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 we have got 40 pages of awesome art. How did you choose any of this to be cool? We've got like 42 pages plus an intro cover. So so there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. So which means that I'm, of course, going to have a joke and another joke 
and a and a second place and a first place. So yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Okay, actually. yeah, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> what do you got for your joke? My backup joke is on page 14, and I call it "For Whom the Bell Tolls." And it is in the upper right-hand corner, and it is a giant phone in front of a shadowed-out Alex and Katie, and it rings. And I just thought it was funny because they're both looking at it with startled eyes. And, and they got the, the, the surprise yeah. little <gasps> marks above them. Yeah, they're little... Once again, you are holding firm with your monochrome <laughs> yeah, shadowed characters. It's kind of true. I just thought it was funny because I'm like, oh, I can do a bell joke. Well, you do a bell joke. I'm doing a Wolverine joke. Okay, what's On your backup? On page 23, this is my funny, funny backup here. No, I already know what it is. <laughs> so it is Wolverine cutting rope. And it's this dramatic scene as Kitty Pride is going and unfazing this kid who's been wrapped up in these ropes. And you see Wolverine, his claws outstretched, cutting what really looks like, you know, twine. Yeah, it's clothesline. It's clothesline. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, just, it's, it's ridiculous. For, first of all, it's kind of like Kitty could just phase this kid. Kid yeah. or phase the rope out of, yeah. away from the kid, and Wolverine is super simple. It's, it's Wolverine. There. Wolverine is going for full on attack berserker mode against. <laughs> yeah, just a court. close line. Yeah, that's why. That's why I said. Yeah, wrote in the script. Yeah. it's just like uh, yeah, he's replacing a pair of scissors. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Basically, and he didn't even need to do that. No. So it is just mild property destruction for no reason. No, but, at all. but it's for my laughter. It is. And it, yeah, I yeah, that one is great. That one always makes me laugh. Yeah. Which which got my uh first place joke Mm -hmm. is on page 42 42 we are at the end of the book and it is in the bottom left hand corner and i call it mmm dirt (laughs) 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 it's a close-up picture of uh of james their dad uh eating the uh thanksgiving meal that uh julie brought to him and it's just he's got a mouthful and he's chewing and it's just he's got a fork full of lump yeah i think it's Brown supposed to lump i think it's supposed to be the sweet potato casserole but yeah you're right once you kind of look at it it does not look that appetizing <laughs> yeah it's just like, and so if you just go mm, dirt and look at the picture it's kind of like oh you guys really went all out on your mud pies kid mm, yeah i'm gonna have seconds so of that <laughs> all right i'm gonna go back to page 27 for my funniest one and and this is what i'm just saying what is happening here Beta Ray Bill saving somebody, and he's <laughs> picking up a car. Yeah. But the way it looks like, I, I, I think you might be right. This might be supposed to be like a car that's underneath a float that's yeah, running a float. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, it's, yeah but it's, the thing it's is, a float car. But look at it, because it doesn't quite make sense. It just looks like he's lifting up a car underneath what looks like an apple cart. Yeah, it does look like an apple cart, but it's a floral pl- Sure, float. but it, yeah. but you think that the entire float would be tipped over. It's just the car yeah, just underneath the, car. Yeah, underneath the float. The float is still flat. The float is still flat. So it's 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 a very odd picture. I'm just like I I couldn't figure out what was happening. There. Yeah, uh, he he yeah, uh, if you look uh just on the page 26 in the bottom left-hand corner, he's picking up a different car. Yeah. It's uh, very for a different guy. It's, it's just that's he's just picking up cars. He yeah. picks up cars. He picks up. What's your hero power? I pick up cars. I pick up cars well. Yeah, <laughs> honey, you pick up cars better than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, that doesn't make you a hero. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, that's hilarious. And then uh, what do you, what do you got next? Okay, my backup is on page eighteen, and I call it Thanksgiving is on a Friday. It is in the uh, very top of it, and it is just a picture of Kofi at the controls of Friday, and they're in space flying around. And it just looks really great. It's a good space shot. I mean, it's been a while since we had a real good space shot, and I think this might be the first... This might be one of the first Brent Andersons, I think. 
I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it's it it just looks great because you got you know nebulas and you know spaceship and stars, and it just looks it just looks cool. It looks good. I like that one. I like that one. I've got another humorous one. I've got a tertiary joke. No, no. You know what? It's not a tertiary joke. It's it's just a third backup one. It's one that I really want to mention. Okay. Yeah. It's a great shot. Uh, I bet it's going to be called smooches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is is on my notes I wrote I I. I was writing three or four different things down, and, and I miswrote it, and I said, Alex getting a kiss from Leech. That's <laughs> that is not right. That is completely wrong. It is, uh, it smooches. It's Alex receiving a kiss on the cheek from Dagger, and the look on his face is... Uh, yeah, yep, that, yeah. that's about the look on his yeah. face. So, yeah, it's I, I had to mention it. So... <laughs> we'll, I also, let me go ahead and throw this one in here, too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go to page 13. This is my real backup one. Okay. And this is top right corner. Oh, yeah. And this is called Leech in a Box. Yep. And this is inside a white panel. So it's just all white. You see this wooden crate. And inside it's all shadows and and some light from slats on the board. You see Leech huddled up in a ball. And on top of this box is the cat. And the cat's, you know, orange and all colored in. And it's kind of, it's leaning down, scratching the side, saying meow, scratch, scratch. And inside Leech is just saying, cat, friend. And oh, my heartstrings just get pulled with that one. Yeah. It is—it's just sad, but it's—it's it's a beautifully drawn picture. Oh yeah, especially just the panel before too, because you know it's like Leech is trapped in this crate and he's—he's he's hammering on it and he's all out. Please, Leech, go. Yeah, he's—it's like he's supposed to go to this party. He wants to go. He wants to be with Mama. He, he wants to go with his friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that is heartbreaking, and especially the uh, yeah, just the white border around the yes. crate saying this is all that exists for Leech right now. Mm-hmm. The crate and the cat on the outside. Right. Yeah, that's really good. What's your top one, my friend? My first place one is on page twenty-five, and I call it Gatorhead. <laughs> yeah, it's the very top of uh, of the page, and it is just the close-up of the top half of the Queen Mother Maraud's uh, head. It's just. It's got shading. It's got just a vicious teeth and a tongue and the red eyes and the jet. I'm like, that looks cool. It's a frightening, frightening. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, is, it is very frightening. But it's, it's a great choice. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. And she's screaming about counselor. Where's my son? All right. Let's What's f- your first? Let's finish this up on page 35, and it's at the bottom of the page, and it's Leech and Annalie next to each other, and Leech is touching a tear coming out of Annalie's eye, and she's saying. You care, Leech. I never realized. And it is very, very touching, especially after all of the everything that's gone on this issue. And it's just just showing that Leech does care. Oh, he's yeah. he's sad that she's sad, and mm-hmm. he's he's there to to make sure she's okay. This almost made the list for yeah. me. It really did because it's just like there's a lot of emotion there's there. A lot. It's just yeah. It's a very. But it's, instead, it's I said space touching. stuff's cooler. <laughs> it's very emotion. Screw that. I want space stuff. Well, that's because you're. Stupid. Space stuff. Stupid. Space stuff. <laughs> well, rubber and glue. Space stuff. <laughs> what was the best or most childish insult? <laughs> <laughs> My backup rubber and glue moment is on page five, and it's over on the bottom right hand. And it's uh, James is asking Alex to watch after the family. And, and Alex says, Sure, Dad. I'll watch him. Not that I'm good enough to watch a hamster. I just thought that was great. It, it's, <laughs> it, he's burning himself, but it's just kind of like, oh. I'm so terrible at life right now, I can't even watch a small animal. 
So it's just like it's like okay, that I, I thought that was cute. I thought yeah, it was that's neat. good. That's that's yeah. a good one. Um, I thought it was a lot more harmless than a lot of the insults that yeah. Alex was winging because he's a lot of stupid. Unfortunately, 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 the yeah. insults here are not going to be fun insults. They're going to be mean insults, yeah. but they're still childish insults yeah. that I'm going for. But yeah, yeah, there's yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, my backup one is on page nine, and speaking of mean and really hurtful. Oh, Annalie. Yeah, yeah, I got. I went with Annalie because it's. It's just, it's mean, but it's it's also, she got a burn on her, she got a good burn on her son. <laughs> so it's as Annalie is, is, she's already hit Leech, and now she's putting her, or she's taking out her dinner, and she says, Not that you even have a nose, you nasty thing. Yeah. It's just mean. It is. It's it just is super mean. nasty. So I, that's I had to, I I couldn't let that one go. I had to include that one, yeah. even though it's really nasty. And there's a, no, there's a lot of mean ones. There in is. Here. They're not there like is. childish. They're just like that hurts. Yeah, my feelings. There, there's a lot of real powerful insults in here. Yeah. What's speaking of which? What is your top one? My first place insult is uh, on page eleven. Okay, and it is Alex, and this is after they're making all the popcorn balls and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, Alex tells the family. You jerks can stuff your fat faces with them all day till you pop for all I care. I just love this, like, stuff your fat... He calls them jerks and says you can stuff your fat faces. It's like, dang, Alex. Dang, Alex. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> it's just like, Dude. Hey, look, I made, I made a delightful dessert. You can stuff your fat face with it, you jerk. You, oh, could, you could also, okay, like... I made enough to share. You could have some, too. You could also be a little bit nicer, you little punk. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I'm gonna follow it up with my top one, which is another Alex one. They're all gonna be Alex. They're all gonna almost, be pretty yeah. much Alex. So Alex here on page number sixteen. You're a stupid, ungrateful little jerk, Katie Power. I don't know what's wrong with you. So there's all of the insults, yeah. all right there. Yeah. Stupid, ungrateful little jerk. I thought about grabbing that one, but I'm like, I don't like it. it nope. It, again, I, it hurts just because, too much. Just because. Just because it is a childish insult. Yeah. It's gonna hurt. Yeah. It hurts bad. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm hey, not kids saying can I like say it. stuff mm. that just it's like I'm an adult. You're yes. five. Oh, why? Well, let's speak a little bit further onto these hurtful, hurtful things that were being said, mm-hmm. and talk about who was the most hurtful and who was the least hurtful of all of them. <laughs> Gee, I don't know who was the uh, <laughs> detention child in oh. this. Issue. Let's, let's hold off on that one. Let's go best on this oh, one. Oh, you want to go best I'm going to go okay. best on this one because I think we'll have more to talk about with the worst. Okay, we actually will. Uh, my best is either Leech or uh, or, or Beta Ray Bill. However, they're not in the family or in they're, the they're not in power pack. So if, it, if, it, if, if, they, if we were counting them, it would be Leech and or Beta Ray Bill because Beta Ray Bill picked up a bunch of cars. He picked fair up enough. a bunch of cars. Fair enough. Fair enough. That saves people. I, I would. Say, I would. Say, if I would say outside, I would definitely say Leech. Yeah. Because Leech is unconditional oh, love. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. But so, be actual power pack members. Who do you got? Uh, everybody kind of had their moments for being mm-hmm. good, but uh, this may be surprising. I'm going to pick Jack. You know what? That's per- that's not surprising at all. Okay. He's he's my second choice. Okay, yeah. So I think you might guess who my first I, choice I is. I thought about I thought about this quite a little yeah. bit because there was a lot there. You know, I always weigh things yeah. where it's just like, okay, who did the most sure, good sure, things, sure. and then kind of like, but you know, it's just like in this one, it was like, oh, you did this good thing, yeah, but this don't. bad thing, and this bad thing, and this bad thing, and it's positives and negatives. They're they're. Jack doesn't have much. No. He's a very close, very close second for mine. So so tell okay. me. Well, the reason that I picked Jack yeah. was, uh, first of all, he never jumped on Katie. Sure. 
The, yes. the worst that he did was when he found out that it was like, hey, I threw a, I'm throwing a surprise party. He was yeah. like, what? Yeah. That's it. He didn't do anything uh, other than that. There was also the aspect that he kept on like asking Alex, it's like, what's wrong, yes. bro? What's wrong? Yeah. You know, he kept on trying to, it's like, hey, you know, he's going to be their first brother. Sure. And his brother actually dragged him down. Yeah. I'm with you all the way on that. But then the thing that really, really tipped it over the, the top for me is yep. this was Jack's idea. Jack gave him the clothes. I, I'm with you on that. If nothing else, he's helping Leech tie he his ties shoes. His shoes. He even tells yes. Lisa, he's like, "Hey, buddy, you're gonna have to learn how to tie shoes." Yes. You know, it's just and, like, and those and those are all the reasons. Yeah. I just I ended up going with Julie. I she was again. Yeah. Everybody had things. Right. Julie was up there, and I and I tended to go with her um, just because she was doing so much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She did yell at Katie, but I think that when she yelled at Katie, it was perfectly legit. Mm. She. I mean, yeah, the younger just, sister ran away. Yeah, well, no, or, she, well, no, this well, is because at yeah, the very beginning, this is, this is when like, she first found yeah. out what you invited people here. Are you nuts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was perfectly reasonable for her. I mean, Alex was over the top. Yeah. He was already yelling at her, yeah. and he just kept going. Katie or uh, Julie, it was reasonable. <laughs> it was completely reasonable. Yeah, but even at the beginning when she just, dis- you yeah. know, Katie disappears down an yeah. alley to go talk to Erg. Yeah, she's like, she "What are you doing? Like, are you running away? You, okay, it was I'm very, sorry. it was very much of the." You know, it's just like, oh, I think, I'm just thinking this. It's like, you always think just of yourself. Come on. Yeah, and and it's still completely reasonable because I'm in charge of you. You ran away. Are you nuts? Yeah, she had good reason for that. I'm also giving her the word because she cooked an amazing feast. Oh, she made up food. Uh, She was also the first one to go, we need to go after Katie. Alex can deal with himself. She was one of the two level-headed power kids who who was actually in the Thanksgiving mood. Yeah, she covered it for her dad. Yep. Yep, I mean, it just, she she made sure that everybody got fed. She yep. got her dad fed at the yep. end. She just, once again, she's doing a lot of the domestic stuff and filling in where it needs to be filled in. She she just edged out Jack a little bit, but like you said, yeah. they were on the level. Yeah. It just, either yeah. way, she, and she was my number two, good. but it was yeah. very wibbly wibbly wobbly. I think we know. I think it's pretty obvious that uh-huh. we are going to go with Alex for the worst. What? <laughs> Yeah, because even because Annalie's not part of the pack. Uh, yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, Alex. he was horrible. Yeah, from stem to almost stern. Yeah, In, and at the end, yeah, he finally figured out the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Yeah, <sighs> Alex, it's just too late, man. They yeah. they've been saying it to you the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, come on. Oh, that was another thing when Al- when Jack was trying to cheer up Alex. He, you know, Alex is yeah. like, "What's the point?" And he's like, "You know, what do we have to be thankful about?" He's like, "How about sweet powers? Yeah. How about?" We stopped curse with the help of these new friends. Yeah. How about this? And he's like, so, yeah. yeah. It, it takes him running away and having cloak and dagger to say, dude, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. We're homeless kids who've been experimented on by a drug lord. You ain't got it that bad. <laughs> Cheers up. Cheer up. Yeah. So, yes, I think we are down with the fact that mm-hmm. Alex was the downer of yeah, the downy. Was, downy. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yep, he's, he's in detention twice. He's, you know, it's yes. a double-sized issue. He's in t- detention twice. And he deserves it. Yep. Especially he didn't even give us a G. No, not a single no, one. No, no. no Gs. No, so uh, here, let's kick out those stats real quick. Uh, zero Gs found in this issue. Um which uh, Kofi experienced in space. Hey. hey! And then our G average is down to 1.42 Gs, which again is still a sports car going from 0 to 104 seconds. And then our G total is still sticking at 27. Huzzah! Huzzah! Okay, I have a, a, a little follow-up question for you real quick. Sure thing. Okay, since this is a, we just had Thanksgiving a little bit ago, and this was a Thanksgiving issue, do you have anything you're thankful for? 
I'm thankful for this podcast and for you, my friend. Oh, I'm thankful for you too, and also this podcast. And but... I'm thankful for our, our, our listeners too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was going to say it might sound a little cheesy or a little put of on, but it actually is. We, I, I know we really do appreciate our listeners. We are very, very thankful for you guys. Anytime anybody writes in, anytime anybody donates to Patreon, anytime anybody mentions us on their YouTube or their own podcast or something, yeah. uh, or just says, "Hey, would you guys, you know, would one of you like to be on our show for a thing or something?" Rick's gotten the chance to actually be on a bunch of other shows, which is really cool. I haven't because baby, uh, but <laughs> no, it's just uh, super, super thankful for each and every one of you that listen. I love looking at kind of our stats thing and seeing how many people do downloads. And I love kind of looking at the geography and going, hey, there's people in New Zealand and finding out like Alexander's from Christchurch yep. in New Zealand. I'm like, I've been to Christchurch. That's great. I want to talk to him about that. And like Tim Price is always writing in. Yep. I'm like super thankful just to everybody. I mean, if, if you drop us a line on, you know, like on our webpage or anything or Facebook, you're going to get a response because we are super giddy about it and we're really thankful. So thank you, the listener. <laughs> We love you all. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Ask anybody who does a podcast. It's a lot of work to do this. It's a lot of work to get the editing done, especially during the holidays where it's like, oh. hey, I'd like to do something else. Oh, nope. I got to yeah, get this written. This. I got to get this. And it, yeah, especially when it's kind of, yeah, the holidays have been rough due to the fact it's like, okay, normally I have two weeks to work on a yeah. script. This is a double size script. I'm losing a week due to travel. I'm losing more than a week due to travel and holidays because hey you know what uh, family doesn't want you doing on christmas i don't know i'll, t- I'll tell you what I, I was at my in-laws house and i was i might have been doing a lot of work on the script <laughs> i think but i think i worked uh, late christmas night on script. yeah i saw that too I, I am thankful that we're doing this I'm, I'm thankful that we have some very good fans i'm thankful that we've got some very good friends that we've met on other podcasts and this is a fun way to this is a fun way to spend a wednesday night <laughs> it is it is it is it is one of our services that we do for all of our fans is we look at these books, we look at these stories, and we place them on this ever-growing list, which is now at 20. I misnumbered it last time, but yes, we were on 20. <laughs> and so we have on the end, we have Thor 363, This Cursed Earth, which, while it's a good story, it yeah, wasn't a yeah. good Power Pack story. And we have our number one, which is all the way back at Power Pack, number four, Rescue. And Jeff... Where do you want this? Because I know where I want this issue. Oh, man. It is it is going to be up high. I think there's some stuff I might like a little bit more. Really? Because yeah, I like I this one. Want to, I want this as number one. You want it number one? Because I'm kind of like, I kind of want to put it at number three, but I I, I, I could ease, I could be talked into number one. I got to say, I this... For me, I mean, Rescue has it's lasted quite a long oh, way, much yeah, longer. It, it, issue and that's, number four, and that's yeah. the one where Jack goes and rescues his brothers and sisters from, from the, the from Starks, the Starship. Yeah. It's a solid, solid yeah. story. I just think that this this is a solid story. It has a lot has more of emotion in it too. Much more emotion. Yeah. It's a long epic story, yeah. and it does bounce around a lot. But at the same time. You can keep track of what's going on. Oh, you know what? If you if you say this is a double issue, yeah. and you say that it was two issue issues, uh, up top is issue four and three. So, and that was kind of a two story arc right there. Yeah. So you yeah. Can, you can almost compare that and just say each one's an issue. And yeah, okay, yeah, I could go for number one. I I I think this is this is one of the best, most solid stories. It's very iconic. It's one that a lot of people talk about because there's a lot of characters in it. Well, it's also super cool that it's just kind of like these kids getting all these kind of loners yeah. together for Thanksgiving, which is it's, awesome. It's it's the issue that, that Wolverine and Kitty Pride had Thanksgiving dinner with Power Pack and Beta Ray Bill. 
yeah. and cloak and dagger. Yeah, and, and what some the warlocks. heck? Oh, and, and by the way, I need to I need to point out something because there was something that Marvel Comics put out recently, and they mentioned Power Pack issue where uh, they had Christmas with all the superheroes. And I wrote back on their Twitter feed and saying, hey, guys, that's Thanksgiving, and that's Power Pack 19, and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Signed, <laughs> Jeff and Rick present, unpacking the power of Power Pack. And I think that we might know a thing, because I just spent weeks writing a script for it. Pretty much that was it. Yeah. But Do no, not this say is... it was Christmas. You are months on. You do. I, do... I am in my basement writing a letter. <laughs> and then they said, oh, <laughs> blocked. <laughs> Probably. No, uh, this is this is an iconic issue, and I think it holds up very well. I think it's a fun issue. I think it's an emotional issue, and mm-hmm. I think it deserves to be at number one. It does. And honestly, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff where you go, oh, the technology looks so funky now. Oh, you got your big cell phone, or oh, look at those pants kind of thing. And this yeah. is, even having a, you know, there's still pay phones around, and the Macy's Day Parade is around, yeah. and sweet potato pie casserole is still around. I mean, mm. all of these things, it's like, yeah, this... You could dump this in, you could say, this is uh, today. Yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm good with all of it. I, you don't see something like this today, though. No. Which is, no, they don't do this kind of issue. No, anymore. you don't. No. Although, which is too bad. Final thoughts on beer. We have Bad Granny. What do you think? I enjoy it. I would totally drink it again. Yeah. Uh, quite happily, too. It's not, it's not my most favorite thing in the world, but it is very pleasant. Yeah. I'm so, agreeing with that. Yeah, so I could go uh, four, four and a half. I go four and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking we're doing four and a half and four. Okay, <laughs> somewhere between four and a half and four. Let's kick it with a four. Yeah, I think I can. Um, yeah, I think I can agree with you on that one. Okay. I, I, it's, it doesn't. Um, the more I've been drinking it, the sweeter it's actually gotten. Mm-hmm. That sweet taste lasts a bit longer. But no, this is a very pleasant, very pleasant cider. Yeah. And I think it paired very well with a Thanksgiving oh, dinner. Really I did. really did. It really did. Yeah, this is uh, the apple pie for Thanksgiving, because <laughs> I don't want pumpkin. <laughs> Even if it was done by a bad granny. Even if it was done by a bad granny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, it's quite tasty. I will give it a four myself, mm-hmm. and highly recommend Rainier Cherry Bad Granny Cider. <laughs> and now that we're done talking about beer, let's talk to a child. So, we're going to do our kids' perspective, where Rick talks to his daughter, and she gives us her views on the issue. So, Rick and Carrie, tell us about your Thanksgiving. Hi, Carrie! Hi, Daddy! How you doing? Great, we have a comic, don't we? We have a fantastic comic. We have a long comic. With a few of the superheroes you might like to know. It's got all of the superheroes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What'd you think of this comic book? Pretty awesome. That's what I thought, too. And at the end, Katie did give a little good lesson. Yes, she did. She also gave a really nice speech, didn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. You know all about that speech because I just had you read it, didn't I? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Just had you record it all, didn't I? Yep. You did a very nice job on it, too. Back to the comic. (laughs) On this cover of this comic, we've got everybody, don't we? Yep. We've got Power Pack, Cloak and Dagger, Kitty Pride, Wolverine, Butteray Bill... And inside we also have oh, wait, who else? Fra- Franklin as well. Wait. Yeah, we got Franklin. What else? Who else do we have inside? The Morlocks. Yep. Anybody else? Annalie and Leech. Uh-huh. What did you think about the entire issue? I mean, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Quite a lot. What were your favorite parts? I liked how Katie gave a little speech that had a little lesson. Yeah. I like that too. What else, what other parts did you really like? Kind of liked 
How they were like floating on the balloon. Yeah, when I read this book as a kid, I remembered that part a lot too. That's the one piece that stuck out in this, that they were riding on a character. What what character? The Mighty Mouse. The Mighty Mouse balloon, right? Mm-hmm. Which was the Power Children's mom, mm-hmm. mom's favorite. That's right. That was Maggie Power's favorite mm-hmm. balloon, right? Mm-hmm. And she was taking it up to try What was the purpose of her riding the balloon? Why was she doing that? So she could take it up to her mom. But why would she want to do that? Because they would make her mom feel better. That's what she hoped, right. Yeah. But her mom didn't see it because, you know, eyes closed. <laughs> she was in a coma, right? She's, mm-hmm. still, she's still not awake yet. Mm-mm. What do you think about the entire book? I mean, there, there was a lot of things that were being said, but what do you think the, the point that Kitty was making at the end was? What, what was the point that a lot of people were making at the end? About being lonely. Right, and and so they're being lonely, but they had friends, and that was something important that they could be together, thankful for. Thankful for. They were they being friends with everybody, each other. Mm-hmm. They were thankful that they've got friends and they've got some family, right? They're talking about being thankful for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And what were they celebrating? Thanksgiving. Do you see how those things go together? Uh huh. Yeah. So, Thanksgiving time, we want to be thankful for things, right? Yeah. And that was part of the reason why Katie was trying to do this, too. Mm-hmm. So, you wanted to talk about the ending? This part where leeches and Annalie. What do you think about that? Well, actually, Annalie got used to leech. And then suddenly, there's this funny part where Dr. Power came in, and then Annalie talked to him and said, Don't worry, dearie. I'm sure everything will work out for just fine. Yeah, and he's got no clue what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. and he also doesn't know who, who she is at all. Right. But you think that it's it's nice that her and Leech are finally starting to get along? Uh-huh. What do you think about what Leech is wearing, too? He kind of actually looked like a boy when you saw the back of him. Yeah. It helps cover him up a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So you do like the sub the little story with Leech and Anna Lee, though? Uh-huh. Kind of makes you feel good that they're getting along? Uh-huh. Anything else? What what other things did you like about this book? I liked how it had those superheroes who they met who were alone and stuff. Mm-hmm. And how they were all coming over for dinner. Yeah. Yeah? It's pretty nice, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The main story was about was like about you have to be thankful for some for like being together and stuff. That's right. You have to be thankful about being together. That's right. You thankful that you've got a nice family? Uh-huh. I'm absolutely so thankful for all I've got, like, even my family. That's right. And you should be thankful for that because you're lucky. That Sometimes there's a lot of people out there that don't have nice family like you've got, mm-hmm. nice friends that you've got. Mm-hmm. Be thankful for that and make sure that you're kind to other people, which you are. So you got that already. Be like Katie, who's, <clears throat> who's kind to a lot of friends, and, and she reached out to all of her friends who were alone. Mm-hmm. So what Katie did was... A little bit wrong, but also a little bit right, too. It was good that she reached out to their friends Mm -hmm. and people that were lonely. What should she have done instead? Told them. Told who? Told her her siblings. Yes, yes. Why did they show the snarks? Well, there is a lot going on in this book, and there's a lot of other things that they're (laughs) setting up for future books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they're starting to tell some stories about things that are going to happen in the future. 
And that's why they brought the snarks in and were saying things about what's going on with the snarks and what's going on with Friday and also what's going on with Kofi. Yeah, so. Kofi's part of this. He kind of mentioned what might happen. Right. Because his father's going to like be part of the snark wars. Yep, yep. And we've got a few more issues to go and then we'll start talking about the snark wars. But So that's it's just kind of setting all that up. But good eye, good eye. Anything else you want to say? Nope. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. Shout out. <laughs> I just like you smacking your face. <laughs> Better than you doing it. Yep. We like to recognize those listeners that take time to write us and leave us a review on the internets because it's a series of webs. Yes. We'd like to thank all those who send out a telegram and write us a handwritten letter. Pony Express. <laughs> Facebook, Al Sedano and Nicholas Prom. On Twitter, Matthew Birdsey, Coffee and Comics. Alexander, Warlock Thanos Podcast. Craig McNichol, Tim Price, Longbox Crusade. Secret Wars and Beyond, Comic Reflections. Patreon, thanks. We want to give a special thanks to our Patreon members. Thanks for helping us to keep the show going with your contributions. We updated all of our tiers and benefits, and we want to highlight all those that do contribute. To Todd, thank you very much. Totally tubular tricky Todd. To Charles, thank you very much, Charles. Channel the Cheese Charles. Jetty Knight, thank you, Jetty. The Judge, Jury, and Jettycutioner, Jetty. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher, or tell your friends about us, or write a letter. Or grab a random person in the street and yell at them. You should be listening to this show because you love us. That's the best way to get people's attention and to spread the message. Randomly yelling at strangers in a crowd. It works for me. (laughs) (laughs) And always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. Until next time, costumes costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Bicycle. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Katie is on her way to charming the... Mo- Katie is on her way to charming... Charming. 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 A pick a pike a pick a peppers. Okay. <clears throat> I just know it would make her feel better. You keep, she keeps dropping the wood, doesn't she? It's like, woo. Yeah. Wood. Wood. Say wood. Wood. I just know it would make her feel better. I just know it would make her feel better. You keep dropping the wood. (laughs) Read the lines. I just know it would make her feel better. I just know it would make her (laughs) Their dad popped... Everybody. Let's do our vocal exercises. Uh, (laughs) That'll spike nice. It did. Alex walks him out.
And Dr. Powers... Alex walks him out. And Dr. Dr. Powers... Dr. Powers. And James says, No! No, she's gonna die! It's Alex's fault! I hate my family! My oldest child is a disappointment! He killed my wife! He killed my wife! Read the script. (laughs) (laughs) What if that just actually happened? That'd just be crazy. But back Mm -hmm. on track. Talk about a nasty old lady. Or a bad granny. Ah! That's Uh, the tie-in. That's the tie-in to the cider. Did you get it? We got it. (laughs) It's fun. I'm going to do this line for real this time. Speaking of a good catch, I just flipped my page up. Speaking of a good... (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's fun when you're like, and I'll just adjust it five pages. Really searching that barrel, aren't you? Say that again. Really scratching that bottom of that barrel, aren't you? (laughs) Give us a third. Really searching that barrel for a scratch, aren't (laughs) you? (laughs) really barreling that scratch that scratch for an answer friday and kofi are talking about the differences i don't know what they're talking about stuff they're just talking about how they don't have thanksgiving in space because they're not from earth (laughs) friday's just telling him about uh alice in wonderland that's all (laughs) and and kofi's like i don't care at all he's telling about a dish that the humans have called turdor Turduck horse. Turduck horse. And how it's a nightmare where they just... Oh my god! Why do they stuff so many things in a horse? 